You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Lisa Alvarez. She's one of the directors of the Squaw Valley Community Writers Conference. Thank you for joining me, Lisa. Well, I'm really pleased with your interest in the conference, so I'm very happy to be here. This is the 40th anniversary of the conference. How long have you been with it, and what got you involved? I've been involved with the Squaw Valley Community of Writers for 18 years. I first arrived here as a participant, as an MFA student um, here on scholarship from UC Irvine. And, My um, alma mater. Yes, and the the institution where Oakley Hall helped develop um, its famous writing program. Oakley was one of the founders of the community of writers, and and I sort of transferred out of UCI and into the the, the university we have here every summer at Squaw Valley. Happily, happily. Now, now you were speaking earlier uh, about the community aspect of this and, and some of your uh, history as a community organizer. I thought that was a really interesting. Uh, way of of looking at this conference. And could you talk about that as an aspect of uh, this community of writers and how it, your experience as a community organizer, uh, what that helps you bring to this? Well, um, when I look back, as you can at middle age, over over my life, I realized I spent perhaps a decade of my life being what some people would call a community organizer or a community activist, mostly in the 80s, when I was angry about everything. Good reason to be. <laughs> yes, yes. Plenty of reason in the 80s. Still reasons today. And during that time, I learned how empowering it was to help people defend their communities, to defend and obtain their civil rights. It, it really helped me to grow up. When I went to graduate school and pursued writing, I also began to see art in some ways as a kind of activism. Mm-hmm. And when I came up here to the community... I realized some of the skills I had honed in those days could be used here to help people be empowered to pursue their artistic goals and dreams. And I like to think that, that what I did as a community activist is similar to what I do as a community organizer up here every summer, organizing for one week in the High Sierra, this community that comes together to help sustain and empower people as writers. That's a, a great way to to look at this. I mean, a lot of writers' conferences seem to be um, focused a little bit on, you know, heavily on selling or on manuscript creation. I think the idea of a community of writers is uh, more powerful and inclusive of all those other, you know, well worthwhile goals. Well, I, I'm, I'm in the position of having not attended many other writing conferences, often because the summer season is when they occur. But I, I, I like to think one of our strengths is, is the kind of feeling we create here. And I think you see it in the staff who return year after year, some of whom who have been with us for 30 and 40 years. <laughs> and I think you see it in the participants who, who return, not, you know, not perhaps. Well, actually, last year we had, um, we had a returning participant who attended the conference in its first year. Wow, um, <laughs> that's amazing. Selden <laughs> Edwards, and he returned as part of our published alumni series because finally the book he began in 1969 was published. And it was wonderful. We were still here for him. But I think what was, what was even more wonderful was that he wanted to bring that book back to us. 
because he saw that what we had have done here through the years is, is really help sustain and grow writers. We're not we don't have a big focus on, on selling, on pitching, on marketing. What we have as a focus, and this was the intention of Oakley Hall, is giving people a week where they can focus on their craft, where they can be inspired, but perhaps at the end of the week also humbled too. Inspired because they've worked with good teachers and they sort of know a lot more of what they need to know to get their story there. Humbled because, like all of us, at the end of the week, they also realize just how difficult it is, not just to write, but to get it right when you write. And um, I like to think our focus on craft is the thing that also makes us a, a place that people want to return to, because there is always more to learn. And I hear that from the participants, and I hear that from the staff every year. I, I like this uh, focus on craft, and I mm -hmm. know there are a lot of craft modules. When, when you're like designing the conference in, in the mm -hmm. months beforehand, could you talk about how you select the different craft modules and, and pair them up with the people who teach them? We have a pretty intense schedule here, and in the mornings, everybody's off at workshop, right, for three hours a day. And then in the afternoons, we have a series of craft talks, discussions, and lectures, and readings. And we, when we're, when we're developing the, the schedule, um, it's, it's, a, it's a collective effort, really, and I think that's also where community comes into play, mm -hmm. because um, our staff sometimes will suggest something that they want to bring to the community. Something has occurred to them during the year, they experienced something at the conference the previous year or the previous time they were here, and they now have something useful to bring back to the audience that they know will be receptive to it, right? Mm -hmm. Other times, we, we frankly give homework assignments, right? I, I was very pleased. We asked Lynn Freed to give an opening talk this year on this anniversary year. Lynn has been as far as I'm concerned, she's, I, I think she's been here as long as I have. She's certainly been an integral person to the conference. I was so pleased she took our homework assignment to heart that she had to write a keynote, and she decided to write it about her own first experience with publication and um, her own first experience at a writer's conference back east as a fledgling writer. And it just hit the... the the ideal note to start the conference. So the way we create the schedule really comes from, from a lot of different things. Sometimes I really want to hear someone talk about something. Gil Dennis, for example, runs a very popular workshop called Finding the Story. Gil is a screenwriter. His most recent movie was Walk the Line, mm -hmm. the biography of Johnny Cash. And to develop that script, Gil used the techniques that he uses in the workshop here when he interviewed Johnny Cash to get him to open up and reveal things about his life so the story of Cash could, could be portrayed so well on the screen. And I had, I had, I had the idea for a number of years that we, we very seldom have Gil up on stage. He's always in workshop. And so I thought, well, at the end of last year, I wanted him to give the closing talk about finding his story and to talk a little bit about himself and how he got from where he began to where he is now. So it, it comes from a lot of different ways. We, you know, we, we try to be open to possibility. We try not to repeat ourselves because, I mean, when you have participants who've been here years in the, pa you know, years in the past, they don't want to hear the same talk. So we, you know, that makes us also, I think, reach out and grow more.
It, it sounds like an organic process. Yeah, I guess so. I guess, I, I, I mean, especially if, if you're hearing it for the first time, I like that word for it. That seems to, that seems to be right. Now, um, one of the things that, that interests me is, mm-hmm. of course, the workshops. When uh, the students who are here in the workshops, can they bring anything? Or the, how, tell me, give me an idea of how the workshops are organized. I mean, if you've got like two and a half novels. <laughs> <laughs> and many people do. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, do you bring the whole novel? Does, uh, does everybody in a workshop read an excerpt? How, how does that work? I, I was with a couple students this morning, and they were busily going through, you know, saying, yes, yes. lamenting we being slow hard. readings. We yes. have a lot of fun, but we, we also work hard. And, well, the the workshop really begins with the application process. Mm-hmm. People apply with a 20-page manuscript, mm-hmm. um, approximately 5,000 words, approximately 20 pages. And it's, very, it's a competitive process. Not, not everybody who applies gets in. Not everybody who's been here before actually comes back. Sometimes they, the work doesn't, doesn't make it one year. Mm-hmm. But then I, I'm always rooting for them to return another. And that, that application manuscript has a fate, <laughs> and that fate is not to go to workshop, which is months away, mm-hmm. right? But that fate is often to be given to a, a staff person with whom that, that participant will then have a one-on-one conference sometime during the conference week, mm-hmm. a one-on-one sort of consultation on that manuscript. Mm-hmm. What we encourage people to bring for, to workshop is something different, it might be a different section of the same project. Mm-hmm. But because months elapse between the application process and our conference, mm-hmm. we want them to bring what is most useful to them. Sure, sure. And also because there's only so many hours in a day and only so many days in a conference week, we limit that. Sure. So everybody brings a manuscript that is no more than 5,000 words, mm-hmm. you know, which is about 20 pages. Sometimes that's a chapter out of a novel. Sometimes that's a short story. Sometimes that's in, in our nonfiction and memoir um, workshop, a, a section of a project, an article, an essay, right? Mm-hmm. And every day um, in the morning hours from 9 to 12, the workshops meet. Each day there are generally two manuscripts up for discussion. Mm-hmm. So that's about an hour and a half of, of, of focused attention on one manuscript by a group of 12 people. Mm-hmm. Those 12 people in that workshop stay the same throughout the week. Mm-hmm. The staff person who leads the discussion changes every okay. day. So that workshop gets a new experience. Boy, that's interesting. Yeah. That's a great way to yeah. We try this. and arrange a variety of people also in the workshop. Mm-hmm. We don't put all the historical novelists together, even mm-hmm. if they want to be. We don't. <laughs> we don't put all the short story writers together. We try and arrange a diverse group because we think no matter what kind of story you're trying to tell, you're all working with the same kind of craft, mm-hmm. right? So even if you're writing a young adult post-apocalyptic novel, you have something to learn, maybe a lot to learn, mm-hmm. by looking at what a historical writer has to deal with in recreating a world that is unfamiliar to people because you're also creating a world that is unfamiliar to people. The staff people change throughout the week because we want people to get different views mm-hmm. of, of how, how a different, see how different people approach a manuscript. A writer, whether that's a historical novelist, a, a short story writer, a, you know, whatever, will approach a manuscript quite differently than an editor. Mm, definitely, yeah. And an editor will approach a manuscript differently than an agent. And so even if your manuscript isn't being treated by an, an editor, as you're sitting there in a workshop watching that editor go through the manuscript of another, you, of course, are thinking of your own. 
Mm. and seeing how that lesson could be applied to some issue you're grappling with as well. So we try and have that kind of range because we think it's most useful to the participants to see all, all, all those minds at work and all those different approaches. And our staff, um, I can't say enough good things about them, they respond really well to the challenges that they face going into a different workshop every day. In some ways, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's easier to have a static workshop with one leader, but it's different. Mm, there there are pluses to that, too. Mm-hmm. Here we mix it up a bit. That sounds uh, like a, an outgrowth uh, of this kind of organic and community uh, orientation you guys have. That, too. That, too. And, again, it's, it's all part of the vision of Oakley Hall, something that he was developing at UCI mm-hmm. in, the, in the MFA program in fiction that he brought here. Also, the tone of, of, the, 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 tone of the discourse and workshop is, um, is very supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, we insist on it. Oakley always said, you want to treat a manuscript and workshop as if you're on an editorial table and you've already accepted the piece. So there's always some, something there that you already love and you see value in. That's a so, great way to so approach there is it. That's no, unusual. I like yeah, that. Yeah, there, there is no need to trash it. Mm. We're here to look at what's good, make it better, mm. right? And, and to do that with a respectful, constructive voice. It's not a petting zoo by any means, <laughs> right? That's not, that's not, that's not I useful. I like that petting zoo. Useful. But it is a place, I think, where people feel respected. Mm-hmm. And in that way, um, also perhaps are able to grow more, too. Because mm-hmm. then, then they're able to hear, I think, about the things that aren't working as well. Because we begin with that, with that basis of respect and hope, right, and mm-hmm. possibility. Well, that and the uh, the ability to treat the manuscripts with respect, that kind of respect, mm-hmm. comes from the vetting process too, the acceptance process. As yes, well. yes, yes. And um, we do our best. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a formidable thing <laughs> um, to serve as part of the admissions, you know, panel that looks at this. Can you give me an idea of what kind of mix of, say, fiction, genre fiction, nonfiction, children's fiction, poetry, uh, memoir that you have here? Is it, do you try to keep it even of, on all of those, or do you just, just grab whatever works best? Well, I, we have a lot of discussions about that. Now, one, one word about the poets. Mm-hmm. There was a time when they were all together with us in the same week. Mm-hmm. That time is long in the past. Yes. So the poets convene up here generally the third week of July. Mm-hmm under the directorship of the wonderful Robert Haas. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and their work is amazing, but very different from ours. Oh, sure, sure. And their staff is smaller, the, the program's smaller. There's 60 poets, 60, 65 poet participants, five staff people, mm-hmm. and everybody writes every day. Now, how many people and par- how many participants and staff do you have in, this, in the, the Writers' Conference? Well, you're here on our anniversary year, mm-hmm. so we've invited a lot of um, staff back um, in, in the spirit of, of that. So we have a bigger staff here than usual. We run, t- we run 10 workshops, mm-hmm. and they each have 12 people in them, so help me with the math. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's 120 120. Um, sometimes there's a, a couple extra mm-hmm. because we always have to, to sort of design the number knowing that a few people will drop out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, the staff, I think we have somewhere between 45 and 50. That's a good uh, teacher-student ratio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but again, those numbers are, sl- are slightly, they can be different depending mm. on the year. Now, it's ha- from, from what you've told me, it sounds like, you know, the day is divided into two halves. The morning mm-hmm. is a workshop in the afternoon or craft. Right. Uh, um, 
seminars. Craft talks, um, panel discussions. We always have staff readings at 530. Mm-hmm. And then evening events as well. Well, now tell me a little bit uh, about um, the craft talks. Mm-hmm. Do, do you hit the same subject? You say you don't want to repeat every year, but there are things that you know you need to hear from every year. Oh, yes. Characterization. I know yes. uh, uh, Lewis Jones talking mm-hmm. about characterization mm-hmm. today, and Max Bird did an incredible piece on yes. maps yesterday. Yes. I just love that. Yeah, that was, it was just it was just wonderful. And mm-hmm. and Max approached us with that. That's an example of of a. Um, I believe it's going to appear in the Wilson Quarterly mm. or some such thing. That's an example of a staff person who, in his life away from the mountain, um, thinks about <laughs> us and says, you know, this will, this will be good. Mm-hmm. Dorothy Allison, who talked about what we know that we do not know we know, I mm. think that was the title of her talk, that came out of an exchange of emails we had mm. with her, right? And, and so, you know, we, we, we do look at the week. We look at what we think. Sometimes we look at what we think this particular group from the manuscripts needs to hear. Mm, I see. Right? Sure. Sometimes those ideas come at the end of the conference season mm-hmm. when we meet after this week is over and we think, well, you know, one of the things we should think about doing next year is addressing perhaps this issue right? mm. because it came up for discussion and workshop or it came, it was something that, that we sort of thought should be addressed. And so, it, again, it's, it's organic, as you said earlier. Now, one thing that kind of interests me is there are, there are a lot of... Uh, workshops that are specifically aimed at uh, genre fiction. Mm-hmm. There's Clarion for mm-hmm. science fiction. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm wondering, how do you guys um, uh, allow genre fiction in here? Yeah, and you know, I, I realize I didn't, I didn't completely answer ah. the previous question you asked. Uh-huh. And I, was, I went into the workshop construction. When, we're, when, when, when the admissions committee, as it is, um, is looking at the applicants, what we're really looking for is, I think, the best and strongest writing, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know it's an imperfect process because you can we we can we can sit around the campfire until you know sunrise and <laughs> and, and and debate what's what's better than than that you know you know what manuscript is better than another. But the other thing we also look at is what our particular staff that year is bringing, mm-hmm. right? And so um, sometimes when I'm reading a manuscript, I'll I'll make notes um, on one that I'm sure will will get in as to who this person should work with. Mm, I see. That this manuscript, that that Molly Giles would be the perfect person to work with this short story writer, Mm -hmm. right? Or that, you know, Max Bird Mm -hmm. should be the person to work with this sort of epic, you know, tale Mm -hmm. of California, Mm -hmm. right? I think it depends on who we have on hand that can best serve that manuscript, Mm, right? mm -hmm. Because you don't also want to take someone who you can't, you know, who you can't assist. Yeah, right. Sure. And sometimes our staff, um, uh, our staff is never limited, but I mean, you know, everybody has a different sort of focus, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's one of the reasons why we split off a few years back um, the nonfiction and memoir mm-hmm. writers into their own workshops mm-hmm. because we thought that that was best handled. They used to be mixed in to fiction. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't know what to do with them. They wanted to come. We didn't know what to do with them. They were great. But what do you do with them? But their needs were not being met, Mm. right? And it was a little problematic. And so they became their own program, right? You know, and I'm never quite sure what it means, sometimes this word genre, Mm -hmm. right? And and again, I I invoke Oakley a lot because um, he's still teaching me things. And I remember one of his lessons was, you know, you can call it what you like. But you still have to write, you know, 
a good story. Yeah. You still have to have characterization. You still have to have setting. You still have to have dialogue. You have to have a, com- you know, you have to have a compelling theme. It has to be about something. Mm-hmm. And and he found I think those um, those labels problematic. Mm-hmm. And so often when I'm reading a manuscript, I try not to think this is, you know, oh, that's this or, 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 this is this or this is that. Mm-hmm. But is it working? Is there a good story? Are there is good there characters? Good sto- yeah, I, Do I, I, I want to yeah. read this? Right, because um, as a person who grew up reading widely, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I was thinking of that last night as Molly Giles read from Ray Bradbury, who mm-hmm. was one of the, the, the writers I just drank in when mm-hmm. I first discovered him. Um, and I've been rereading him lately to my son, my seven-year-old son. And, you know, Bradbury, language, characters, plot story it's all there yeah you know and some people can call it genre mm-hmm. but i think that's that's a way to market it mm-hmm. that's a way to sell it and i think again here we're not about selling we're about creating good stories so that's what i that's what i look for right now uh could you talk uh, about um how the the as the week progresses um, could you talk about some of the changes that you've seen in some of the students and, and, and you know, just uh, what, what somebody comes in here with, with 5,000 words, what, what do they <laughs> leave with? Well, they leave with those same 5,000 words. Mm-hmm. They might realize that perhaps they don't need that many. <laughs> or they might realize, as, um, as Amy Tan did when she brought up one of her short stories here years and years ago and had a workshop with Mo- Molly Giles, they might realize they have a novel. Mm. Of course, it's not written yet, but all the possibility is there. Uh, interesting. And so what I'm hoping that everyone leaves here with is not just more confidence, but, well, I hope they leave here with the same feeling I leave here <laughs> with every year, which is a desire to go home and write more than I did last year and write it better and read and think and grow and reflect on, because um, I'm up here just like them with my, um, with my stories tucked away, mm-hmm. with my novel that wants to live. And yet I also know how hard it is to sustain that when you're not at a writing conference. People get pretty giddy here. Mm-hmm. Put them in a beautiful place. Oh, sure. You surround them by people who are interested mm-hmm. in this thing that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the big yes. And mm-hmm. very often our life away from the mountain the world is not telling us to write stories or read books. But I'm hoping they will go home with more sort of desire, courage, if you want to call it, power to go back to the community organizing you know, image, to do just that and to arrange their lives so they can pursue this thing that I think fulfills them in a way that's important. I've been speaking with Lisa Alvarez. She's one of the directors of the Squaw Valley Writers Conference. Thank you for joining me, Lisa. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.